legalism, false teaching, narcissism, spiritual abuse. These have been a problem within the body of Christ since the beginning of the early church. Jesus warned about it, and the apostles stood against it. Join us as we continue to stand against these toxic issues and attempt to help those affected by it find themselves back into the grace of the true gospel. Welcome to the Driven by Faith live stream and podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Driven by Faith podcast. I am your host, Ben Sharkey, at least for now. So today is a continuation of the conversation started between Briggs and I, where he actually takes over the hosting seat and interviews me about my time in the Pentecostal Church, uh, more specifically the United Pentecostal Church, the Oneness Movement. So before we get started, I want to remind you, be sure to check out Briggs on his Twitch at twitchtv.com slash abriggs. Um, his link will also be in the show notes. And then don't forget, if you just want to see this conversation in its entirety, it is at the Driven by Faith channel on YouTube. Check out the link um, that's going to be in the show notes. It'll give you the link to everything that's Driven by Faith. So, anyways, let's go ahead and get started. So, again, I want to mention um, those that are viewing this or even listening on the end. Uh, I don't know if those on the podcast... That goes out later, correct? That's yeah, the podcast. Right okay. Correct. I just want to make sure your podcast wasn't live. I wasn't for sure. No, the podcast is not live. <clears throat> Those that are viewing this right now on Facebook or whatever you're viewing this on, please, if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, you want us to shut up and just end the thing, <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead, put it down there in the chat box and we'll get to it as soon as we can. It's a, I, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to shut up just yet. Too, so... <laughs> so you guys moved. Yes. The, the, the pastor did end up allowing you to move, right? Yes, or yes. Um, how, how did the questioning go? Okay, so so here's what how it actually all went down. See, at first, when we were... Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting a little thirsty. Um, when it's we, just water. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> I promise it's just water. <laughs> Um, anyway, this is water. <laughs> so what we did is when we decided that we actually wanted to change churches to, you know, to a church that was going to be closer to our home, mm-hmm. we visited that church, which we were allowed to do. That's fine. Um, so we visited that church and we talked to the pastor of that church and he was the one, f- we didn't know that we had to ask permission for that specifically. Mainly to be- visit? No, to change, to okay. change churches. It was the pastor at that church that said, hey, you need to get permission from your pastor. I'm not your pastor yet. You need to get permission from him to be able to change to my church. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that we had to do that, just even changing churches in an organization. We didn't know that. Um, so that's how that's how that went, that we had to ask our pastor. And he, he, he said, okay, I know the pastor there. That's fine. No problem. The assistant pastor, on the other hand, my wife ended up approaching him at a later time and told him what our plans were. He said to her, well, have you all prayed about it? Which, of course, we had prayed about it, you know. Why wouldn't we have prayed about it? We want to make wise decisions and be in God's will, Um, which is a big thing in the UPC, but that's a whole other deal. Um, She said, yeah, we've prayed about it. He said, well, you need to pray harder. How does one pray harder? (laughs) 
Uh, trust me. It's and that no, no. that's a whole other deal in the UPC too. I know praying and despite what the people know about me that know me, I actually do pray. Sure. You know. It's just it's on my own time. Mm-hmm. You know. You and I are both truck drivers. Yes. I'm a volunteer fireman. Yeah. Not only do I pray that I'm going to make it home that day from mm-hmm. being out on the road, not only do I pray going to, you know, <clears throat> that I'm going to, uh, okay, so those that know me, I'm an assistant fire chief. My biggest fear is to make sure that whoever's on that red truck is on that red truck coming home. Absolutely. That's that's my top priority. Mm-hmm. So I'm not praying when I'm in the truck. I'm not praying on the way home. Mm-hmm. But I am praying about that stuff. Absolutely. <clears throat> so when I pray, it's a simple, dear mm-hmm. Lord, state what I want to state. Amen. Mm-hmm. How can you pray harder? Are you supposed to, you know, punch a Bible or, you know, beat it against your head? What mm-hmm. are you supposed to do? How do you pray harder? So, and that's where we get more into where the United Pentecostal Church does dabble a bit in what's called the Word of Faith movement or prosperity gospel, however you want to call it, where you just keep praying and praying. If you have enough faith, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, by praying harder, they mean they want you to pray fervently for God's will. Now, his intention... I don't believe was about praying harder. It was about trying to convince us to stay mm-hmm. and not change churches because he was getting ready to take over the church as the head pastor, which means we leave his pew numbers drop. His pew numbers drop, which in turn, if you're, 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 you're giving on every Sunday, that's pretty much how they make money, correct? Oh yeah. Cause they are big on mandating that your tithe, the 10% tithe. That is the teach that you have to be, paying your 10% tithe, otherwise you are robbing God, which is contradictory to New Testament teaching Mm -hmm. on how we should be giving. In the New Testament, see, the tithe comes from the the Hebrew word tithe, which means a tenth, okay? So that's where you get the word tithe, and that's the Hebrews, that's what they pay was a 10% tithe. Actually, technically it came out to more because of the extra offerings they had to make, but we're not going to go into... (laughs) But when the New... When Christ died... Followers of Christ became dead to the law, okay? And tithing was a matter of the Old Testament law, mm-hmm. okay? So at that point, we're dead to tithes, okay? So what is the standard for a Christian to give? Well, Paul teaches that we are to give without compulsion according to our heart. It can't be forced, and it's what we feel is right to give or feel what mm-hmm. we want to give. Um, should we be willing to give? Yes, we should. But it's on our terms between us and God. So do you feel maybe that that uh, particular, you call him an assistant pastor? At the time, that's what yeah. he was. He is now the head pastor officially. Was he afraid of losing that 10% each Sunday? I think so. I honestly do believe that that is part of what it was. So basically him losing that 10%, he was worried about his paycheck. I believe that that was a big motivation. Because that is his only job. You know, there's a lot of pastors, um, like my site. If you wonder why we keep looking at the ceiling, it's because <laughs> our studio is actually in the basement and we have a bunch of kids running upstairs. <laughs> they are okay. There is there is a, a teenagers up there watching them, so we're good. For some, that might not be comforting. 
Ah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like the pastor at the second UPC church that I went to, mm-hmm. he didn't rely on that paycheck. He had a full-time job elsewhere. That was his job. Did he draw a paycheck from the church? Absolutely. It is good. It is biblical for a pastor to receive some compensation for right. what they do. That's, I don't I don't yeah. disagree with that at all. Yeah. But he had a full-time job. Now, <gasps> the assistant pastor, that was his full-time job. So he loses people. He loses pay. That's, you know, to me, that's something that, you know, yeah, I understand. Yeah, they should be given something for what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. they do go through quite a bit. Oh, it's a huge responsibility to be a pastor. To stand up in front of a congregation of, you know, 10 people, let alone hundreds of thousands in some cases, yeah. depending on that pastor. You know, if you look at Joel Osteen, he's got a football stadium. for. Yeah, let's not talk about you know, Joel Osteen. I could go so, off on a whole sermon about him. I understand that. <laughs> I'm just giving an example of a, of a pastor. You sure. Know? Now you just made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> doesn't take so, a lot. No, it doesn't. Not this week. No, whatsoever. A pastor needs to be able to be compensated for his time. Right. Writing his sermon. Some of them are doing counseling. Some of them are mm-hmm. doing, you know, marriage counseling. Some of them are doing... Um, Going to hospitals, visiting hospitals, hospitals. All the travel that they do. Let's face it. They do a lot. Oh, yeah. A good pastor... Does a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. Let me rephrase that. Or let me reinstate that. A good pastor does a lot of traveling. I'm going to make a note of that because I think that's going to come up uh, in the next live stream. When... So, I understand that they should make some sort of compensation. Yes. But for it to be solely based on how many people are sitting in their pews. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, you can make arguments for or against that. The problem isn't whether or not that's how their bay is paced off of. It's where are they... <laughs> how are they forcing that person to pay? Right. Well, that... Not it's, so much forcing, is it, I guess. Is it the motivation that word. they want what's best for that family? Okay. If, if they feel that it's actually that it is legitimately best for the family that's going to be easier for him to stay at that church, then fine. Okay, whatever. But you know what? Is the money that much of a motivation? That's where it becomes a problem. Yeah. So what happened to you individually that caused you to start really questioning the legal and the abuse? And Ooh, the fun one. Not only just the UPC, but in Christianity itself. Okay. So, as you stated, we're truck drivers. What is one thing we have a lot of when we're in the truck driving? We have focus, acceleration, getting the day done. When oh, you're talking about thinking. <laughs> <laughs> time. We have a lot of time to think because we know I don't accelerate. <laughs> no. <laughs> But we have a lot of time. So one of the things that I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, a lot of truckers that listen to music or do whatever. I listen to podcasts. I love podcasts, especially Christian podcasts. My favorite one is Voice of the Martyrs, which tells stories of Christians who are facing persecution throughout the world, a lot of them being in the Middle East. Your pen your pen died. No, I got it. Okay. Um, I give it a little shake. Now, 
what's interesting like about me every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta shake that head. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, myself moving. You're right. So when I'm listening to the voice of the Mars, it's telling stories about these missionaries who are going elsewhere in the world and risking their lives. They're risking death, bodily harm. And the courage that I, I think about the courage that it has to take. And I'm thinking, you know what? I know a lot of these missionaries that are on here are not Pentecostals. I know a lot of them probably don't speak in tongues and never have in their, in their lives. But yet they have this much faith to go out and risk their lives. How can they not be saved? Mm-hmm. And that right there was where I really started questioning the actual practices, teachings, and doctrines of the United Pentecostal Church was just that one thought right there. So what I did is I decided, you know what? I'm going to start studying my roots in the Mennonite Church a little bit, get reacquainted with them and kind of understand where I came from a little bit more. But at the same time, I'm going to study the um, United Pentecostal Articles of Faith, and I'm going to compare the two. Mm -hmm. And what I found when comparing the two is the United Pentecostal Church, to support their doctrines, practices, and beliefs, and their teachings, they cherry-pick so many scriptures and take so much out of context. It's not funny, by any means. Where more your other mainstream denominations, such as Mennonite, Methodist, and Baptists, and I know I use them a lot, they're just the biggest ones that I can think of, but they are more in line with... um, scripture in total okay where the upc is more just cherry picked here and there and they'll ignore scriptures that contradict their ideas where other churches they look at scripture in whole as much as they possibly can to try to get the actual context from it to be able to make their doctrines so they make their doctrines based off of scripture the upc turns scripture into its doc into their doctrines and twist it around. So, just a kind of a two-part question here. When did you start noticing those issues with the legalism? When did you mm-hmm. start feeling the abuse mm-hmm. yourself? I would say probably where I really started noticing, the fir- my first inkling would have had to have been when I had to ask the pastor for permission to just change churches. Mm-hmm. That would have been the, f- that, that was the first time I really kind of felt, well, this ain't quite right. Just to change churches, staying in the same organization, I shouldn't quite have to ask permission to do that. So that's probably where I really started having some second thoughts. But it wasn't significant enough to be right away. Yeah. Not by any means. So in part eight of your TikTok, and and you just brought it up, the missionaries speaking in tongues. Now, Mm -hmm. we've already established that scripture states... Speaking in tongues is another uh, known language. Right. It's just not known to the speaker. Right. That being said, you state most missionaries don't speak in tongues. Right. Right. So in most cases, that's the most likely because it's not a much practiced. It's not a gift of the spirit that's really well practiced within mainstream Christianity. And you, you state that the UPC does not teach that correctly. Correct. And that that being a known language to mm-hmm. this baby gibberish that they they state is mm-hmm. 
is there any other denomination out there that's might be similar to that where they say mm -hmm. well if you're speaking in tongues it's going to be a gibberish type mm -hmm. tongue well there are other sects of pentecostalism mm -hmm. um such as the assemblies of god um church of christ church of god um though they all practice speaking in tongues now i can't speak wholly for them mm -hmm. okay because my experience is more in the united pentecostal church mm -hmm. um so I know that those Pentecostal churches, they do practice speaking in tongues. I know a lot of times it is in that baby gibberish as well. Now, whether or not it's ever practiced properly with interpretation, because that's actually another thing that actually Paul states has to happen for tongues to be proper, is there has to be an interpretation. Um, whether that actually happens in those churches, I'm not 100% sure because I've never been to them. Mm-hmm. But I do know that oftentimes it is that gibberish at the same time. So, all right. So you, you started really studying on the, the abuse and the legalism. Mm -hmm. You started studying other stuff. Where'd you go from there? Mm -hmm. At this point in time, you're pretty strong into the church. You guys have moved to a new home. You guys have moved to a new church, mm -hmm. correct? Correct. And baby one's already here. Yep. Where, where are we going from there? Where, where is, mm -hmm. What's your next step in the UPC uh, chapters? Okay. So as I'm doing, so as I start, as I do this study, comparing the two articles of faith between the Mennonites and the United Pentecostal Church, then I start reading up on, I start looking up um, information more specifically with those specific doctrines in the United Pentecostal Church. Um, and that's where I start learning terms like spiritual abuse. That's where that really starts coming up is as I'm doing these studies. Can, um, we, can we get your description of spiritual mm -hmm. abuse? So spiritual abuse is abuse. I would say the best way for me to describe it is abuse. Um, manipulation mm -hmm. um, on a spiritual level, um, which can also go with mental and emotional, which they pretty much usually all are on the same same plane with spiritual abuse but with spiritual abuse it happens in a religious setting okay. oftentimes by a religious leader okay. of course it can happen you know by other members of the congregation but you're going to be looking at it more from a religious um aspect is where you from get a leader from, leader leader from a leader from a leader or from the members of the congregation but it's going to happen in a religious setting okay a lot of times right. is what's going to happen so that's more where spiritual abuse is All right. um but that's where I first started hearing terms like that. Um, so I started reading books specifically on that. And it was eye-opening. Eventually, when it ended up happening, I found many individual testimonials. Um, a number of those testimonials, I've actually had the privilege of getting to know those people individually. Um, on a one-on-one on -one basis. Yeah, usually online. In a, in a online. personal basis type situation. Yeah, online. Um, one of them that I've had the privilege to um, chat with a little bit off and on is actually an author, Jennifer Brewer. Um, and I actually read her book, Free, which was her, which is her story of how she came out of the United Pentecostal Church also. And there's a number of, diff number of people that I've gotten to know, and it's been awesome getting to know this community. But... Um, I'm trying to remember where I was going. <laughs> Spiritual abuse. Spiritual and, abuse. And so, even... You, you, you've spoken with this... I'm sorry, her name was Jennifer... Brewer. Jennifer Brewer. Mm -hmm. 
and going into spiritual abuse, what what I'm I'm asking is when you started doing this, what where's your next step in your chapter? What where did you go right. from there with you as an individual, you as your family? So for me individually, it got to a point finally where I decided I am not apostolic Pentecostal. I am what, not. What made you feel mm-hmm. that you were not? <laughs> because I no longer agreed with the distinctive doctrines or the practices. I believe that they were unbiblical. They were not right. It was, it was all false teaching. So at that point, I'm not going to claim a title that I don't agree with, whose teachings I don't agree with. So at that point, I am no longer apostolic Pentecostal. But what ended up happening is when I told my wife, she's like, well, will you still go to church with me so we can worship together? Absolutely. You know, I love my wife. You know, I would love, I love to worship with her. You know, that's something that is special between a husband and a wife, um, as it should be. But over time, and that was a, probably the end of 2019 and over time by march of 2020 it got to a point where i just couldn't go anymore i couldn't do it um i couldn't expose my three older kids to it yeah text message you're good okay (laughs) (laughs) i could not expose my kids to that teaching anymore so i ended up writing my pastor a six-page letter um, explaining exactly why I was leaving. And when I wrote this letter, I tried to model it after Paul's epistles a little bit, saying, starting off by saying, you know what, I appreciate you, I appreciate everything you've done, I love you, but... <laughs> Everybody loves the but. <laughs> You're a great person, but... but. <laughs> you do a great job, but... Because this pastor, I actually do have respect for you fell in a hole but (laughs) (laughs) you know where a lot of times if it had been the first pastor i just would have left yeah i never would have said anything but this pastor because of a lot of things he did um for my family he wasn't nearly he didn't have this controlling demeanor that a lot of upc pastors do have so i have a lot of respect for him i don't agree with his theology but i wrote him a six-page letter and i explained exactly what i don't agree with in the theology um and i ended it again by expressing the gratitude that I had for him. Yep. And the appreciation. Bring him up, tear him down, bring him back up. Oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know. And, and seriously, that's, you know, that's a good way of teaching, too. You know, it, it really is. It's, it shows a decent level of leadership. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you, listen, you know, you're, you're doing a great job here. With, let's try it this way. But your mm-hmm. way is not bad. Right. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I believe it was part nine um, in your TikTok testimony. Again, those that haven't seen it, Driven by Faith one on TikTok. He's got a 10-part testimony in there. You stated that you allowed your, at the time, wife to mm-hmm. read this letter. Yes. How did she take it? Oh, she was devastated. She was she was hurt. She... It... it if you want to talk about it, what mm-hmm. what did she say? What did she do so, as her individual self towards you? Right. You know, right then she didn't, you know, right then we, you know, it wasn't immediately we need to separate, we need to get divorced. It wasn't anything like that right at first. 
not by any means, but she was devastated. She cried. She asked me questions. She's like, well, you really don't agree with this. You're going to keep, you're going to keep the, your, your children out of it. Yeah, I am. I can't in good conscience expose my older children. You know, now the baby that we had, you know, together, I have, I don't have full say over. Mm-hmm. I don't. And I recognize that. I admitted that. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just keep the baby from going there. You know, so, you know, I was very understanding at that point. So we tried our best to make things work as well as possible. But me leaving the church altogether did put a wedge into our marriage, which unfortunately I can't say that it was the sole reason why it happened because there were other factors. But eventually we did get divorced. Yeah. So I, I left the church in March of 2020 and we separated July of 2020. That's how fast that happened. You... You left the UPC primarily because of the abuse and the legal issues, mm-hmm. and they're, they're misinterpreted. Hello, Peggy. How are you doing this evening? Their misinterpretations or their misunderstandings about the, um, the UPC, correct? Correct. Did you ever experience any of that? In a Mennonite church. Um, actually, I did. And actually, first off, Shannon just asked a question. Did you talk to her about leaving before you wrote that letter? Yeah, I was going. I was going to bring that up. Bring that question up right after. Yeah. The Mennonite well, I figured I'd go ahead and answer this yeah, real go quick. Ahead. Um, because it actually does. Before moving on, it actually no, fits no, you're right good. in. Yeah. Um, no, I did not. However. She did know that I no longer identified as Apostolic Pentecostal. She knew at that point I did not agree with the doctrines. Um, And we had talked quite a few times about a lot of the abuse that happened within the Pentecostal church and the the legalism and how I just didn't agree with things. We even sat down and went through scripture together um, to try to understand what was going on. So the signs were there that I was probably going to leave should I have talked to her about it prior? Yeah, I probably should have. You know, it's one of those things. You're not going to find a perfect spouse being married. You're, it's a learning game every day. You know, so is that something I could have done different? Yeah, it probably could have. Would have made a difference? I doubt it. So, now. So, Um, Peggy, I don't know how much you've, you've watched, but just to kind of give you a quick catch up here. Um, I'm Adam Briggs. I'm a, I'm a content creator on Twitch. Obviously, you know, Ben Sharkey by, from Driven by Faith and I'm being his guest host and questioning him and clarifying some of his, his background towards, um, the UPC and his, his journey through faith from a young age. Um, and he stated earlier that you were in the Mennonite church out in Colorado and moved out here to Indiana around Mm -hmm. the age of 13, joined the Mennonite church here. And the question I had, um, just, just here was about, um, if you were exposed to any of that type of spiritual abuse or the legal aspect or even even the misinterpretations of the scripture mm-hmm. in the Mennonite church okay um you know probably what i'm going to touch on the most is actually the spiritual abuse and it never occurred to me the term spiritual abuse 
until I heard the term <laughs> for the first time. I learned yeah, what it was. I, I me but neither. My earliest memory of spiritual abuse was in the Mennonite church. It was in the first church. Um, shortly before my mom and I moved from Colorado to Indiana. And, uh, yeah, I'm in the night church. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Peggy, I, he uh, misspoke on that one. I caught that too. <laughs> what I do? You you accidentally said that she was in the Mennonite church instead of me. Either that or well, you, you know, or you she. Co- <laughs> <laughs> We got to keep it gender neutral, you know? <laughs> oh, we are not going there. <laughs> I respect all people. You, you have your own choice. <laughs> oh, this My is... content on twitch.tv slash Gaming is definitely adult content. Just saying. <laughs> oh, this is definitely the clip that I am putting on TikTok later. <laughs> all right. So anyways... My earliest memory of spiritual abuse was actually in the Mennonite church uh, shortly before my mom and I moved to Indiana. So from the first time I started in the Mennonite church, um, I had been in the Christmas program, (laughs) the kids Christmas program every year, like clockwork without fail. The same lady every year was always the one who directed it and organized it and put it on. Well, I was about 12 years old. I never really enjoyed doing the Christmas program. I never enjoyed it. Don't know why. I just never. It was. I didn't have fun. It wasn't fun for me. He's not an actor, is what he's saying. Uh, no, no. He's far from a Vin Diesel. <laughs> well, I, I am getting the hairline. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. I'm going to make you pee your pants. <laughs> so anyways, um, with that being said, there was, there were two kids that my mom and I took to church with us on a regular basis. The boy was actually a friend, a classmate of mine and he was a good friend of mine and we took his sister as well. The problem is the family, this being a small community, the family, um, was not well-respected or well-liked within the community. Some for legitimate reasons, some for illegitimate reasons. But they were very much, there was very much a prejudice against the whole family, and the kids unfortunately suffered because of this. But we took the kids to church with us. Now, the last Christmas season that I was there, the lady who ran the uh, program came up to me and told me what my part was going to be. Well, I had talked to my mom, told my mom that I didn't want to be a part of it. My mom said, fine, just let her know. My mom had no problem with me being able to not be a part of it. So when she came up to me and told me the part that I had, I said, well, I don't want to do it. She's like, oh, well, did you talk to your mom about it? I said, yeah, my mom's fine with me. Not. You just read the name on that pen, didn't I did, you? Yes. <laughs> um, those, those wandering. <laughs> That is the pen from the last Pentecostal church I was from. It's actually a very nice pen. That's why I still have it. Uh, um, Go on. Anyways, so <laughs> we need sleep. <laughs> so she told me what part I was supposed to have. I told her I didn't want to do it. She didn't like that. She We kind of went back and forth. And she said, well, will you at least take the script and read it and then get back to me and let me know what you think? Okay, fine. No harm in that and checking it out. Yeah, it was only a couple of lines. I just didn't want to do it. It's like just driving a car. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I just didn't want to buy the car. 
Anyways. Unless you need it. Well, there's that. <laughs> oh, speaking from experience. <laughs> so, anyways, so I read it. Only if the radio works. <laughs> then, <laughs> that, that's a whole other story. Go on. Uh, I, to clarify, I just bought a new car, and the radio doesn't work in it. Anyways, <laughs> and he hasn't let me live that down yet. So, anyway, so the next Sunday, I went back to church, obviously, and she's and I said, well, I, w- I finished reading the, the script. She's like, oh, cool. So we have practice on this day. I said, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I still don't want to do it. She's like, well, what, what are we going to do? I said, well, you know what? I was talking with my friend that we bring to church all the time. He absolutely would love to do it. It's only a couple lines. It'd be perfect for him. She's like, well, I don't know if that's going to work out. So she ended up, she ended up giving the part to another boy who mm-hmm. had a main part, and then he ended up doing my part as well. So this guy that there's this boy or your friend mm-hmm. was, he was not a well, what you say, well liked person in the community because of his family. Because of his family, not because of him, just because right, exactly. his family had made. There, there were not so great choices in the Mennonites' eyes. In the community. In it the wasn't, community itself. Right. It was the whole okay. community. It wasn't just the church. It was actually the entire community. So you got to remember that the community I grew up in was a very Billy small... Billy the Kid? I mean, about the right area, isn't it? Uh, pretty, not, <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. I mean, we had kindergarten through 12th grade one building. Yes, uh, John Wayne, it would have been fine. <laughs> All righty, partner. <laughs> But we had kindergarten through 12th grade, one building. 12 students were in my class alone. So it was a small... That was a graduating class. That actually was, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's a very small community. So we knew each other. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and you have those. Still, here in Indiana, you got small communities like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, his family was not well-liked within the community. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that seeped its way into the churches. And he was picked on and singled out because of that so while i wasn't the direct victim that was a form of spiritual abuse right there and while i wasn't a direct victim of it he was it's still i was still a victim in a non-direct way so that's my first actual experience with spiritual abuse that i can recall so with that being said you wrote your letter let's let's fast forward a little bit here you wrote your letter you guys separated Mm-hmm. You, um, you and your wife ended up divorcing. Yep. Um, do you, let, let's, let's start talking about present day now. Do you believe that the spiritual abuse and <clears throat> the false teachings and the misunderstanding of scripture, mm-hmm. does that happen? Do you believe? And I know my answer to it. Mm-hmm. Your answer though, is solely for your, your, your cast here. Do you believe that this happens in all Christian denominations? Absolutely. The reason I single out the UPC specifically is simply because that's. You dropped a cord. (laughs) The reason I single out the UPC so much, like I do, is only simply because that's where I have experienced it, that's where my experience lies. You know, I can't speak for other denominations. I can't speak for other churches. You know, I know what I read. I know the testimonies that I hear, but I've never actually experienced it. So mm-hmm. to be fair and whatnot, 
I try to rely more on my own personal experiences and try to go from there when I'm taking a stand against legalism, when I'm taking a stand against spiritual abuse. This happens in every denomination. Mm-hmm. It can. It can happen in the Mennonite Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Catholic Church. We read stories about it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Okay, But where I'm going to come from is I'm going to specifically stay with where I have been, where I have experienced We're comfortable. It. I completely understand that. Yeah. So, and I, I do have, I had one question, and I, I spaced it there for a second. You moved from Colorado to Indiana. It was because your mom joined the Bible. Um, seminary. The seminary. Correct. Is that is that why you guys came to Indiana? That is there? actually exactly why okay. we came to Indiana. And then um, she ended up going back to Colorado, and I got stuck here. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> well, that too. Let's talk about Indiana for a second. Uh, no, let's please um, not. We have, to live, we, we have to live here every day. <laughs> so, Danielle, welcome. How are you doing this evening? So, that all being said, you 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 believe that it's in all denominations. Absolutely. Have you started looking for another another denomination to go to? Denomination? No. Okay. I am strictly at this point. I am strictly a non-denominational Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal belief is that the separate denominations do a little more than create a divide in the body of Christ. That's how I feel now. Does that mean that it's you know, for every, is non-denominationalism for everybody? No. If you're comfortable in a Baptist church, great. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to agree with everything, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to call you a brother or sister mm-hmm. at the same time. For me, just the way I see things, there's there's no denominations listed in Scripture. None. At all. The church that's referred to in the New Testament is the body of Christ. We are the church. Mm-hmm. We're not a denomination. Jesus was not a denomination. So that's why I stick strictly non-denominational. So, and now, I've thrown when, this one at you. When you smile like that, <laughs> it scares me. I've, I've thrown this one at you a lot. <clears throat> Over the 17 years we've known each other? Uh, uh, we're getting close to 20. Remember, I... I met you when I was 16, and I turned 36 next summer. <laughs> you ever have one of those moments where it's like an epiphany, and it just hits you that you're old? Epitome. Epitome. <laughs> so you can't say how I hear it. Is that the tongue speaking again? <laughs> so, but I've thrown it at you a lot. Mm-hmm. And when we first met, I was going to church. Yes. Um, when you say that you go to a non-denominational or you're looking for a non-denominational, I want, I want want to make sure I word this correctly. Sure. So at this point, I actually am attending a non-denominational church, Mm -hmm. actively attending a specific non-denominational church. Okay. Where in scripture (laughs) does it state an individual has to get up on a Sunday morning, 
hear me out, chat, before you start yelling at me. <clears throat> An individual has to get up out of bed on a Sunday morning, <clears throat> get dressed in his nice suit, his polished shoes, make sure he's cleanly shaved, which I am not, get his kids up, wake his wife up, cook breakfast, whatever, mm-hmm. pile into the car, drive five minutes to 35 minutes to some people, probably even drive an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your choice, not mine. To sit in front of somebody that's reading their interpretation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, there is no scripture specifically for that. So, let's let's break this down a little bit. One, you're talking about the dress. There's nothing in scripture that says you have to dress up to go worship. That's strictly... That's strictly rules set by the churches. In fact, Scripture actually usually says the opposite. It says, specifically, in 1 Samuel, I believe, it teaches that God sees our heart, not what we wear. Man sees what we wear. But God sees our heart. And I can't remember the exact books in the Old okay. Testament. All right. Just, I have a few blogs specifically about this. Right. And just, just to clarify quickly, okay, so I took off my three-piece suit and my spotty shoes. Now I've got my flip-flops on, my swimsuit, and a tank top. Go for it. We're still going. We still need to know why I need to get up mm-hmm. and why it has to be on a Sunday, mm-hmm. why I've got to go and listen to someone else's interpretation. So here's, here's the things to remember. One, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. That's just a tradition. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. Okay, let's change it to Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. So why not? As long as I'm off work. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point, all the Bible says... <laughs> shenanigan. It's definitely a shenanigan. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, a chat came up that says, it's in shenanigans chapter 1 verse 5, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... The only thing that it says is not to forsake the assembly of believers. Does that mean we have to go to a church? No. It just, strictly what that is referring to is fellowshipping with mm-hmm. believers. doesn't mean you have to go to church. Is it good? Are there benefits to having a church family? Absolutely there's benefits. But it's not always for everybody. Right. And that's what, that's what needs to be understood. There are people who say, well, you can't be saved unless you go to church. That's nowhere in scripture. All it says is don't forsake the assembly of believers. And love you too, Shannon. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're taking the time occasionally, the whole purpose of fe- of fellowshipping with believers is to build each other up. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So basically, what what you're saying here is, you could say that I'm fellowshipping right now, speaking to you about the good Lord and our Savior. Absolutely. In fact, what Jesus said is, "Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also." So you have two believers right here who are basically, this is a form of worship in a way that what we're doing by talking about our experiences. Oh, uh, what about, uh, Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about our experiences in church. We're talking about ways to actually better the kingdom of Christ. We're doing this in his name. He's here amongst us. Uh, to clarify that Peggy, 
I was stating why does a person have to get up on a Sunday to go to church? And he stated, you know, well, it doesn't have to be Sunday. And I said, okay, fine, we're going to change it to 3 o'clock on a Tuesday. 3.30. Use that 3.30. Did I say 3.30? Use that 3.30. Something, 3 or something on Tuesday. (laughs) So, what made you focus on a non-denominational instead of something that was denominational, Mm -hmm. such as Baptist, Catholic, um, Methodist, Mm -hmm. Buddhism? Muslim. Well, now we're getting into different religions, <laughs> different denominations. So, but again, you focused on the non-denominational, correct? But you didn't look at all the other, mm-hmm. you know, religions or other sure. denominations. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I'm strictly Christian. You know, I have in the past studied other religions. Um, you yeah. didn't want me Ahmed. <laughs> ah, Ahmed. Silence! <laughs> I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I mean, we could go into reasons why I'm a Christian. That could be a whole other episode right there. Oh, most definitely. Could be. You know, but the reason I focus on denominational is because I am a non-denominational Christian. Um, you know, as I say before, I don't think that denominations serve any other purpose than to actually divide the body. Um, so if I, if I have that belief, why would I go into a denomination where I'm going to find a lot of things that I'm probably not going to agree with with their doctrine? I'm going to be very nitpicky. Now, am I still nitpicky in a non-denominational church? Yes. Mm-hmm. But in a non-denominational church, it's a little bit more understood when you're going to question things. And I like that openness. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to find that in certain denominations. Mm-hmm. But in a non-denominational church, it's a little bit more expected that you're going to find that ability to be able to question and welcome be welcomed about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when Paul was in, was um, ministering to the Bereans, they scrutinized him heavily. They were always going and double checking back in scripture to make sure what he said was accurate. And he loved it. Hold on just a minute. This, this was a big one. I want to be able to read this easily. And it's from Danielle. It states, uh, it's good to be around other believers to build each other up. Being a part of a good church helps you in a in faith. A false teaching church will ruin you, but I feel like family with my church, and they help me with, with your faith. Mm-hmm. I totally believe that. I believe if you can find the right church that has the right people in it, I believe it's, it's possible. Well, and it's like I mentioned, is that there are benefits to having a church family. There yeah. are great benefits to it. You can find a lot of good support in that church family. You can find a lot of good edifying in that church family mm-hmm. to help build your faith up and to help you in the spiritual struggles and even in the non-spiritual struggles that you may be facing. Yeah. But it's a matter of finding that church family that's going to be right for you and that does teach good biblical teachings. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Driven by Faith podcast. Be sure again to check out Briggs on his Twitch channel at twitchtv.com slash a Briggs. Also, just click on the link in the show notes. It'll be right there, ready for you. Also, if you like I said before, if you want to see this conversation in its entirety in one fell swoop, all two and a half hours, just look up Driven by Faith at YouTube. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and that little bell. Be notified anytime something new pops up, alright? Also, 
check out the link that's going to be in the show notes for Driven by Faith. It's going to lead you to everything that's Driven by Faith. The main website, the TikTok account. It's going to lead you to the YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, and even the merch store. Mer- uh, merch store, excuse me. Be sure to check out the merch. There's some really cool stuff there. There's apparel, cell phone cases, tumblers. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff. So also, join us next week as we go into the third and final part of this conversation where we actually get to the comments and questions that uh, people were typing in during the live stream. So it's going to be a good time. Be sure to check it out. Anyways, until next time, God bless. Love you all.